back into consciousness that is actually, since we're power tripping today, that's me singing as a younger man, as the lead singer. That was you singing? (laughs) No. (laughs) Yeah, that was me singing. That was you singing? Yeah, yeah. Is wow. That, is that a good... No, that a good, was good. Good shock? Yeah. And that's without any auto-tune or anything. Wow. It's, a, it's not exactly tuned in, but yeah, yeah, that was my band Motorsoft, and it was a... I thought you were sitting in the corner playing bass or something. No, no, no. I was, I was the lead man, and actually I was thinking today that I, I wish... I did play guitar in there. We had two guitarists. I just wish I had been allowed to just be the lead singer, which I would have been. Everyone would have been uh, like, Fine. That's what I was when my cover band... You the lead just, yeah, because then you can just be well, a showman. You can go you all around. You have to be able can, to do that, and I think that you, I can see why you, and I know I could. Yeah, And just sure. be liberated from the guitar, because, you know, if you're actually playing live, singing and playing the guitar. It's a tether. It's, it's a an lo- anchor. Well, it's a lot of energy, too. Yeah. It's hard to do either one really well unless you're excellent, and yeah. I wouldn't say I was excellent, but, you know, the band dynamic is, is an interesting thing. And I, I, I do want to come back on another episode and talk about like what is power that's a great question yeah and we can kind of run through all of these these scenarios you know being a teacher is is power and it can really calcify you it can kind of harden your arteries or it it might not but it has an impact on you here's a here's a question too what is the impact of power right but what is the impact of the perception of power from those who are getting the you know the brunt of the power right so on both sides of the coin so just going into the um the article it talks about the the hubris syndrome yeah and uh this is the definition of uh hubris syndrome uh disorder of the possession of power particularly power which has been associated with overwhelming success held for a period of years with minimal constraint on the leader. And then it goes on to say that parts of this, the the features of this include manifest contempt for others, loss of contact with reality, restless or reckless actions, and displays of incompetence. Yeah. So those things could be objectively happening, but you could also see tough decisions being made as from from the perception of those that are being kind of uh, are under that person of power as reckless as restless you understand what i'm saying because you are not at the top of the pecking order so you're always constantly criticizing who's at the top of the pecking order you're saying that this hubris syndrome could be misidentified is that right i think that it could be yes Misidentified. I'm not saying that it's always, but, a, but I, I think on. that there's a general trend here. Uh, you know, but that's a you dangerous don't thing agree to with say. This? Uh, because when I when you read these words, I'm like, oh yeah. I mean, we know so many examples of this. You could reasonably argue that anyone who has success on that level would have to actively daily fight against that happening to them. Uh, that yeah. that it is human. That it is human. Like, and this goes to my core belief. You know, and I teach history, so. My core belief is that people really don't. People are just people. You put anybody, mm-hmm. and, and on the break we were talking about Talking Heads. That's a great song, same as it ever was, right? You just yeah. put anybody in any situation. Biologically, they're going to kind of fall prey to a greater or less extent to the trappings and baits and lures of that situation. I read that same passage, and I think I get what you're saying, which is, well, you know, maybe 
maybe the second or third or fourth in power think it's incompetent or reckless, but the person really in power doesn't. But I, I can give you example. Lena yeah. Brezhnev was. You know I subscribe to these sentiments. Drugs? I'm not saying I don't subscribe to these sentiments. I'll give you an example. I think that we are so predisposed to understanding this from the get-go that it does have an effect on us. And I'll give you an example. Uh, we went through some contentious stuff in Northampton with uh, the, the union contracts and, and this and that. Everything got sorted out. But in the postings of things from the mayor and everything, there would be one or two people at least on that that says power corrupts this, you know, um, the, you know, uh, the mayor, you know, the mayor's greedy agenda, this, that, the other thing. Yeah, there is nothing. I can tell you this right here. I had my disagreements with the with with some of the stuff that was going on with the school committee. This, that, the other thing. There is no nefarious things going on in the the office of the mayor in Northampton. I believe you, but. The the stereotype we're talking about stereotypes and in projecting that onto the masses and everything the masses project that stereotype up to the powerful, which too. is what I was saying when I run a simulation. The kids are ascribing exactly. to me all kinds of powers that I just don't have, because once they feel like you have power over them, then they think you have power over the whole thing. Whereas in fact, in a simulation, I might figure out three or four like key metrics that I want to throw out there, and then of course often I'll just ride that power. Because I yeah. don't want them thinking I don't have the power, because to me it's fun. It's fun, and also it makes the simulation even richer in a way. But they, they're projecting on me powers, and I agree with you, and I, I'm, I was very disappointed with that, with that aspect of it. It's the finger-pointing thing. Just is, I'm so done with finger-pointing. At the same time, you know, the superintendent, the mayor, they are not the people who you seem is talking about or this article is talking about. They're, yeah, they're I mean, talking that's about so Michael Jackson. Yeah, we're they're talking, talking about, about yeah. perhaps the president, you know, people who have really had unbridled success in their lives and really haven't had the word no thrown at them for 20 or 30 years. To this point, let's make our advertisement pitch because you and I have, it's of course my idea, but whatever, uh, you're my first yeah, hire. Yeah, but I'll obviously ride the coattails on it. You're my first hire. It's kind of like the show. And I actually think you would be really good at it. And I have other friends who would be really good at this. And I know I kind of like, you know, we're both semi-entrepreneurial, perhaps you more than mm -hmm. I. But I actually think this would be a really good product, and I think it would sell. Essentially, we've spoken about this before, but in ancient Rome, uh, the smarter emperors who were stoic in nature, believed in stoicism, who really wanted to be grounded because that job of being the emperor of Rome, basically the emperor of the known world, was so destabilizing that the smarter ones would have a slave whose job was really to follow them around, putting them down. So when they came back from Ger Germanicus would come back, um, Germanicus was uh, Marcus Aurelius's nickname, and they'd have a giant parade for him, that slave would be whispering in the emperor's ear, come on, really? You think you're all that? Please. You know, and it was helpful. It was an anima for the emperor, basically. Now, the, and I the, love that. I love everything about that. And this is why I think that your idea is even better than this, because that slave has no option. These you know, people have yeah. the option, not only the option, but they, but they would be paying for a service of well, they, an individual that is free. 
that it, that it is not beholden to yes. chains in Whisper. Although you can argue that. Because just so you know, the slaves in Rome were, were not manacled typically. Yeah. They, they weren't. Like, they would have very high-operating Greek slaves. Probably would have been a Greek slave. And they would be treated. You'd be surprised how well a Greek slave yes, could do in but Rome. the I, operative I term is slave. <laughs> yeah, I get it. <laughs> they so. are really great slaves. Oh, my God. They're the best slaves. They're the greatest slaves. Got the greatest slaves. <laughs> All right. I'm just saying it was a little bit more fluid. Yeah, which I, I this, guess what you're Which saying. this models. And I also agree with you. I mean, I think there could be a lot of money in this. And it would be a really good service. I've been around some powerful people in my life, and I've seen that it's – I have compassion for them because I've seen that actually they're a victim of this process as well. And seen that way, you know, this article is talking about how powerful people become anesthetized and how powerful people become out of touch. There's a great um, – Henry Adams has a great way of describing it. Let me just get that – pull that quote up. Henry Adams – I think they're talking about John Quincy Adams' son. You know, there was John Adams, John Quincy Adams, and Henry Adams. There's some relation to the Adams family. And, do, do, he, do, do. and not that one. He describes power as, quote, a sort of tumor that ends up by killing the victim's sympathies. Yeah. It's great, great description. And so seeing that way, people in power are really a victim of their situation. So in our service, which we could call vernacular systems, I because like vernacular means slave's tongue, verna means slave Acular means tongue, language. Sure, sl- nerd. Sl- slave language. Well, it's not exactly that. Uh, and, and we could be providing this service. Now, I'd be curious, what would that look like, actually? It's not like we're just berating CEOs. Um, it would be very... Um, and you talk about like what it would look like or like well, what our branding listen, would be, what our spoke, kind of identity time, would last be. Last time we spoke, we talked about a cult. Okay, starting a call. Now, let's just spend a couple minutes because I do think it dovetails with this discussion. Let's talk about the product. I'm not really talking about the branding. It's, that, that would be not that hard to brand, in my opinion. It would not be hard to brand the service if we could figure out the product well. Because I have yeah. thought about it, and it can't just be, you're a turd. You know, do we research <laughs> the person and really kind of flesh out? like where their weaknesses are and kind of remind them of them? Do we interview 400 people around them and say, you know, people actually think that you're a little bit out of touch? Like, what is the yeah. service here? So both of those I would not do because the first part is that you're going to rely on information that is coming from other from other sources outside of the person and they're going to, like the, it says in here, distance themselves from that reality. So, you know, um, the you say have a politician, like oh, Churchill. Yeah. Because they oh, talk about Churchill. You know, and, and I'm just going to say a contemporary example. Oh, you know, that article or wherever you got that information, that came from a biased, uh, that came from Fox News. Okay. Or that came from MSNBC. So, you know, like this is the real story. And then they're going to rectify and resolve that in what's going on there. Okay. The second part is talking to the individuals that are close to them is going to breed paranoia. Because then they're going to be like, who said that? What said here? So what you need to do is you need to interview that person about themselves and then start taking, identifying where they've been cursed with that tumor and where that tumor is coming into play and go from there. So how do you feel? So, well, I mean, that's, it's incredible Mm. psychic 
you know, that's the that like, sounds the like psychic. therapy. I don't want to yeah, do no. therapy. That's what it needs to. It has to have. This, it needs to be reverse therapy, like why or reverse? an antithesis of therapy. Why? Because what you're trying to do is find those weak points and support the person in those. But what we're doing is finding those those weak points or finding those points of perceived power and perceived greatness and bringing that down to pragmatic. Yes, exactly. By finding their points of weakness and elevating them? Finding those points of weak. No, but, but we're not in the business of elevating those. We're bringing them back down to a reality of those okay, points. Okay, again. Those stress points. How do we do that? Um, so... It, it, you need to be around that person for a while. Mm. You need to shadow that person, and that's the hard part because then you have to be—you have to say that you're some sort of consultant and everything. Everything has to be really private. That's the Why? thing. Because if it's this—this <laughs> this is going to sound weird—but it's the same reason why. Uh, powerful in individuals go to like dominatrixes and stuff. Oh, okay. Right? Keep going with that. So. <laughs> so you have this these individuals in power that need to be bring, brought down a peg. Now we're talking about in sexual nature and everything like that, but that's what they're looking for, but they're doing so in private because they know that if they were to do that or if that were to get public or that would be that would have detrimental huh. effect pragmatically on their power. So this needs to be embedded inside of their, you know, Hold, Being hold able on, to say I'm going a to a therapist for our service would be would be a benefit to them. Okay, uh, I, okay, hold on. A couple of things. One, I used to know a dominatrix in New York, and she was I didn't I wasn't a customer. She was the girlfriend Very of one of my friends, and yeah, a lot of powerful people visited her dungeon. And I went in her dungeon. It was very cool. And later, the New Yorker wrote an article about her. Her moniker was Nurse Ward. I also frequent dungeons. Dungeons and dragons. <laughs> Racking of Dungmar. With Lothar. I, I, I feel like she's, I, I know her so well already. With Dungbat, your character. <laughs> um, Bullvine the Brash. Bullvine the Brash. So it makes sense to me. Here's my problem with that. The dominatrix like lets off a little steam, but doesn't really course correct that powerful person. That in fact, the private nature of that makes it, keeps it from real correction. I'm a little concerned that the, well, that's A. A is I'm concerned that the private nature of this therapy that we're offering, if you want to keep it private, might not actually be curative. B, the problem with it being public and me showing up with a Hawaiian shirt is that it just becomes another accoutrement of real power. Like, I actually think that's why we would take off. I actually think that our company would take off and that you and I and a couple other people could earn a lot of money with this because we would be a prop. That we wouldn't really be doing our job. That really all the powerful people would want to be in vernacular systems because it would be a sign of their power. Okay, so, but you're getting meta with it. It's not so meta. It's the, like the difference happen. between the dominatrix But we here. have to anticipate that yeah. if we really want it to work. So I am actually asking right now, the public-private thing is important because... The too private thing feels too secluded to have any real change. It feels like, like you know, does that make sense to you? No, I think a hundred percent private, and this is why. So, what, what, just going back to the dominatrix thing, the dominatrix, the the that interaction is supposed to be some sort of carnal pleasure. Okay, you're not trying to find a long lasting legacy of enlightenment from the dominatrix. If it was, you would be 
you'd be going to that individual on a super, super frequent basis. They would be part of your life in every aspect of it. I but, almost wonder if that's what it has to be, because I, I reject enlightenment. We're not trying to give enlightenment to people. I Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, it actually is a kind of ongoing curative thing. That if you really want, it's, it's not like we're going to, there's epiphanies that are going to come from this. It's actually like being a trainer or anything where you're constantly trying to ground that person who's really ungrounded. And, you know, a lot of really successful, powerful people do this anyway because they have old friends that stick around them and they kind of surround themselves with people who they feel like knew them before they were successful. They can trust them. And that's smart. That's a smart tactic. The problem is is that even that can get weird and corrupted because then that person is uh, relying on the other person for their living because they have to be with them and it becomes complex. I actually think that what we're offering would have to be an ongoing service because what epiphany are we talking about? It's a cure. It's like a kind of like uh, it is like a thing that you take every week. So I'll, I'll try to give an example of how this works and what happens when when it does not because of the of the public nature of the scrutiny of what's going on okay but the, do you understand i'm saying something different though i i think what well, you're saying well, is be- that you you and this is going to be kind of a crass way to say it in a public way if we were helping these people out it would become some some sort of trendy thing in which other yeah. people would want to do that, and that and that takes away from the legitimacy of yeah, yeah. the the integrity right, of listen, what you're trying to accomplish in the five, first place. That's what I said five minutes ago. Okay. But what I'm just saying now <laughs> is an entirely different thing. Kind of. Okay. Which is this is the evolution of what you were saying. I don't know. It could be separate. But okay. you had mentioned an epiphany or something like that. Okay, I'll trace it back. You were talking about the private thing and it becoming an epiphany, not just a dungeon where you blow off steam, you know, and you go back to. What I actually said, and I don't want to get trapped in this, is I actually do think it's a little bit like the dungeon. I don't think it's like a, a six-month program that cures you because I actually think if you're in no. power, you kind of constantly need to be grounded. I agree with you there. I mean, I think it's it's ongoing. That right there is ongoing because there's going to be certain things that come up in your life again that you need some sort of um, calibration on. Well, so, but not yeah, just that. Sure. But like people are going to be mirroring you, and you're going to have the same stimuli coming in at you. So, yeah. you're going to need for us to wipe wipe you clean, kind of wipe your eyes clean, and kind of get you back with reality. So. Let's just move to the private thing, because I do think the problem with okay. the public thing, and I don't think I'm wrong. You think I'm wrong about that? I, th- I think so, and this is, what, and this is, no, this is, this is no, the example. No, am I wrong? Am I wrong about the public thing becoming like a status symbol? You're not wrong on it becoming the status symbol, but that is not a sustainable way to achieve what's going on, because then it becomes um, Zumba or whatever. No, that's my point exactly. So you know we what I'm agreed. Saying? You're kind of challenging me. Oh, I'm agreeing okay. with you. I'm saying it can't be public for no. that very reason. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like, okay. We'd make a lot of money because it would become like Zumba. And but then it the would disillusionment be, would quickly It'd be set so in corrupt. And, yeah. It would be too corrupt for us to be happy yeah. doing it. So I agree with you upon reflection that for it to be public would be a problem. Of course, that's hard to control. Because someone can be like, oh, that's my vernacular consultant. You know, it is a little hard to control that. But I, I am with you that it has to be in private. Now, if it is in private, what, what is the service we're offering? 
So first off, it it's something that can't be that has to be always discussed, always behind closed doors or from friend to friend or confidant to confidant. When it has to be like the black friend. water of of the mental approach of successful individuals. It can't be out, it can't be out in and about in any way. And when it is, it needs to be kind of something that is um, hmm. that is kind of lurking in the darkness in a in a good way that it gets inquiries All and right. it gets You're what's it going sound on. A little like a movie, but <laughs> I do think you know to that yeah. end, a non disclosure agreement could be worked out. Yeah, like no non disclosures for sure. Pretty for serious sure. one, actually. That yep. could really bite the client hard. That would have to. That would that have would, to bite the client, yeah, not one. just bite. Yeah, our services. For sure. okay. So the example, the person that I was going to give an example of of this kind of succeeding for both their own reasons and the other individuals, Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon was the whisper in Trump's ear through the entire through that entire election process and all the way up and months into his uh, presidency. Steve Bannon was calling a lot of shots. Steve Bannon was crafting a lot of things. Steve Bannon, in behind closed doors, I have 100% um, confidence that he was saying, look, Trump, you idiot. Like, you have to do this. This is like... I don't know if he was saying you idiot. Maybe not idiot, but saying... But but being way more... um, Having way more bite in his words and having a way more... Listen, I've done a lot of reading on this. I actually think yeah. Bannon was like, let Trump be Trump. Let him do exactly what he wants. And then we're going to go over here and we're going to like hit this. These Yeah, there was points. definitely some th- there was definitely some I'm going to go work over here on the real issues and you're going to be like the, the totem here. I think he for was, sure he called him an imperfect vessel and, and basically told the staff, just let him do what he's doing because it works for what it works for. I don't you're t- you're saying. Yes, that Bannon was reigning in and kind of speaking truth. Not to power reigning with in, Trump. I don't but believe he was being being much more of a um, a genuine critic than anyone else. Maybe genuine I, I, critic. I'm, I'm not to, saying rein in. Rein in, you can't rein in. We can but, agree that that okay. would be of service to somebody, though. Yeah, that, that example aside. So well, so the, that I mean, I, and that's exactly why we couldn't go public with it because once. Bannon's relationship really became this public thing and they were they were locked into each other. Right. Then everything started unraveling. Then you have the individual that is in power quickly distancing. Oh, I mean, yeah. you have a hyper evolution of what we're talking about with the hubris effect over here. Like the, he is it was like overnight he was miles from his his relationship with with Trump. So um, what you need to do is you need to um, Charlottesville. Oh, that's yeah. what killed Bannon. I mean, he survived for a while. I get your point. No one, Trump doesn't want to hear that Bannon got him elected. Obviously, right? Yeah, that he's Trump's brain or whatever. I do get that. So we're agreed. I think we're agreed that it has to be really private. Absolutely. We're still. I'm still not clear on how we deliver the grounding to the person who's ungrounded. How do we do that? I think it starts uh, with a dissection, like a fundamental breakdown of the person. So it's shadowing, like so, it's shadowing this person, or it's finding some some insight in observing them almost as a uh, a specimen. So here, so you you follow this person, you take this like anthropological approach to what's going on, and then you. 
Um, and then based on what you've seen, you go, listen, here are my notes on you. And you're taking notes on this person, right? So what's my problem with this? You tell me. The, of, of what taking, you just said. Of taking notes on this person? Of following them around, treating them anthropologically. What's the, what's the problem with this? Um, they could... I don't know, form some sort of paranoia or distaste for what you're doing? They could They could also be the center of attention still. Yeah, of course they are. Yeah, well, I mean, that runs contrary. I have a radical idea for you. I have a radical idea for you. Just listen for a second. Actually, the thing that we're going to give these people has nothing to do with them. That, in fact, that what we're going to give them is stimuli that is contrary to the stimuli they're getting, and it has nothing to do with observing them at all. And that the product could work on anybody in this situation, that we don't have to, we don't have, it's not bespoke. I'm concerned that the bespoke nature of the product you're talking about is going to feed into the wrong tube into these people. Okay, so where where the kind of evolution of this happens or where the turn there's a turning there's a pivot there okay and uh it i'll give you an example okay i was in a fraternity at umass go umass right the rushing p- process right you ahead. are your your ego is inflated you're you know oh my god here have a beer you know look at all this great time we're having party this that the other thing then once you're in that okay once you're in that once you've once you've gotten to this apex of of your ego and everything's going on then the hammer drops and then they go oh yeah remember when you were uh drinking that beer and then instead of putting it in the trash can in our house you threw it on the you threw it on the lawn oh remember when you didn't uh didn't open the door or close that door for this that the other person so everything quickly takes a 180 and all of the wrongs you're you're you've seen and this kind of this hmm. euphoria that you've been in. Hmm. And so I think that that's where, that's where the service comes into play. Oh, you, you thought I was taking notes on all these incredible things that you were doing? No. I was taking all these notes on how you misstepped through this entire process. You lost that client. You um, made an imbecile of yourself in that office meeting. You think that you're great. And you think that you're a center of attention? These are all the things that people are seeing about you. And I just happen to write them down and tell it to you. Maybe. It seems to me that you're attached to wearing a black suit with a white shirt, following CEOs around in boardrooms, and that you're trying to hold on to that. Or having some sort of way to be invisible in that, because I don't want people to see me. Drone. (laughs) (laughs) We can do a drone. We can do a drone. All right. I actually like this because now we've had two episodes where we first one we're trying to start a cult. Now we're trying to start this. I think there's there's room in this business to make some money and actually make it work. I wonder if we can brainstorm it at another time. And yeah. I like also the term toe holder is used in this article. Yeah. You know, you're holding someone's toe so they don't fly into space, I guess. So now that being said, you know, as well as I... That at the end of every episode, it's just flown by, we climb up the mountain. And you and I, as we climb up the mountain, as barbarians, we discuss what's Fly up the mountain. No one's holding our toes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I actually think the cool part of these conversations is that um, we, we never really feel... I don't feel eubaristic coming out of them. I feel energized. 
But I don't feel like we figured out anything. Oh, no, not at all. That's good. Not at least. That's what we want. And that's for another time I'd like to talk about what the show really can do, which is, might be different from other shows. But what are you about to do coming up? Tell us your plans. Oh, man. Well, I'm now officially a resident of Amherst, hey, the Great Republic of Amherst. Thank you. Um, is that, is that a down move in South that you're Amherst? happy with? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Good. Yep. Um, it's been a crazy adventure this year, and uh, yeah. um, I finally feel settled. I just got some stuff in there. I've in the past three days, I got every almost every room cool. furnished and everything. Got a great piece of land. And you're with um, one roommate, right? One roommate. Lived with him before. Great guy. Um, Perfect. I'm feeling excited. I can get into some of the politics I couldn't before by living in Northampton. I was a little kind of shackled by that. You can't run for anything, really, or you can't really do anything. Uh, I was on the Human Rights Commission there, but... Why can't um, you run for something? Which was an excellent, excellent thing, but um, like a city councilor or school Why can't you do that? You can't. Conflict of interest. I'm an employee of the Northampton, city of Northampton. Is that right? Yeah. City council, too, huh? City council, too. All right. Well, I'll be your campaign manager as you run for the mayor of Amherst. <laughs> the, the town manager of Amherst. Which it'll, is be, an, it'll be interesting. Um, you've lived in both places. So yeah, yeah. And a little bit more distance from the high school. Yeah. Be, I don't out know. in the country. Yeah. I mean, um, you're going to come over and have some beers with me Absolutely. soon. Absolutely. And you can come back for to sure. Florence and we'll host you. Well, I am just going to try to get as much curriculum done as fast as possible. Oh, yeah. Because summer is really coming to a swift end. Yeah, All right. I know. It comes fast. All right. Well, thanks for joining us this week on Barbarian in the Valley. We are so happy to have you with us and come back and visit us next week. 